from Green Biz Group, welcome to Center Stage, the best of live interviews from Green Biz events. I'm Joel McCower. It was something really new for Apple to set that aspirational goal and not have in place a roadmap to know how we're going to get there. And it's been really fun within Apple to watch the engineers challenge themselves with such a big, big goal. Lisa Jackson is Vice President of Energy Policy and Social Initiatives at Apple. She talked with me at the Verge conference in September 2017 about how Apple is creating a new generation of phones and computers from recycled and recovered materials, how it is operating entirely on renewable energy, and Apple's vision for a 21st century technology company. Let's listen in. Wow. Wow. Look at Verge. I know. Yeah. Our little Verge is growing up. Yeah. Big kid now. So I'm not sure how much publicity it got. Uh, there's a lot going on in the world every day in the news. But um, I, I've heard that last week there were some new phones introduced. <laughs> we were a little busy last yeah. week in a really cool location. Yeah, you know. But, but what I didn't hear at all is anything about the environmental aspects of those. What happened? Was there something that we didn't hear about that Tim didn't, uh, you know, for whatever good reasons, didn't, if, if they were in the Steve Jobs Theater, get a chance to talk about what's, what's yeah, new yeah. on the, in the iPhone X and 8? Um, I got to give props, though, but to Phil Schiller, who did the iPhone segment um, and who always, always insists that we include a slide on the environmental attributes of the, the iPhone, which I think is so important. At a time when everyone just wants to see what Apple's come up with next, he insists, and um, you know, he's the head of product marketing at Apple. He insists that that's part of our story. So, so I think what it's is really the story? Cool. So the story is great. You know, uh, we promised uh, a while ago, and we strongly believe that if what we do matters, it should show up in our products. So obviously, the flagship announcement was the two new phones, iPhone 8 and iPhone 10. So let me uh, give you a couple of things that really like, make me feel great. Uh, we said about iPhone 8 still has quite a bit of aluminum in the enclosure. Uh, it has glass over it, but there's aluminum there too. So we set about really focusing on the carbon intensity of that aluminum. If you notice Phil's slide, it said low carbon process. That was a combination of really cutting uh, down on any waste aluminum and reusing aluminum in the melt for the phone. Uh, as well as hydro-powered uh, smelting, which is a big part of uh, aluminum's carbon footprint. So the aluminum in the iPhone 8 is 11% um, less greenhouse gas emissions per gram than iPhone 7, and 83% less than iPhone 6. So very happy about that. Um, we can do EP. Both phones are EP Gold, so we're thrilled about that. Was that uh, you know, the other phones, the six, uh, 7 or 6? Yeah, we've, okay. we've maintained. So you continue yeah, that? Yeah, maintain. Uh, packaging, we've had a huge focus on packaging, reduction of uh, packaging size, but also working with packaging suppliers, which is part of uh, other news we have to share today. Uh, the packaging footprint, carbon footprint is down over 50% uh, for both phones. So how does that, what is that a result of? Uh, mainly two things, um, smaller, more efficient packaging, cutting down to um, a very small amount any plastic, because plastic is really the big um, 
uh, driver of whether your packaging has any problems. We'd like to, to get that to zero wherever possible. Uh, and then we have two new packaging suppliers who just joined um, part of our clean energy supplier group and have committed to go 100%. So I think it's all those things together. Um, but that's a big change. And then probably last but not least, the number's not as impressive, but the two iPhones we just announced have 6% less carbon emissions per phone than um, previous generations. And that is a result of our supplier clean energy program. You know, for every single phone we release, we put out a product environment report. It's on apple.com slash environment. And a 6% reduction due to your, mainly through supplier, uh, suppliers greening their supply chain is really, you know, proof for everyone out there working on value chain work and trying to extend the influence of the company, or maybe you're in someone's value chain, it really, really matters. Well, I want to get to the supplier clean energy program in a minute, but I want to ask you about the batteries. Okay. Uh, specifically, I want, you know, there's a lot of frustration on a lot of people who, in the, in the environmental and sustainability community, that you can't swap it out, it's stuck in there, and, uh, and, and that this, therefore, you know, it's not, it, it's not really meeting sort of the needs of the sort of circularity that we're trying to get to. And I don't know you have a, there's this incredible closed loop goal that, that you want to get to, but from a user perspective, um, what's the thinking behind that? Why, why the battery is still glued in and unaccessible? Yeah, well, battery, batteries are not driving cell phone or iPhone repairs. Um, I think there's this myth out there from days long gone ago and from uh, predecessors to the iPhone, that batteries are the thing that drive you in. When they do, Apple has done a tremendous amount of work to make replacement of the battery um, reasonably priced, <laughs> um, competitively priced at an Apple uh, authorized facility, whether it's one of our genius bars or whether you're um, going to an authorized uh, certified uh, repair shop. I just think it's part of a larger discussion and, you know, uh, I, there are things I agree with our environmental friends on and things I don't. Uh, the thing about changing out a battery is when you change it out, you control what happens to it next. Right. And recycling of that battery is much more likely to happen if it's going through a repair shop or through Apple where we can then take that battery and try to get the cobalt or the lithium out, both of which we're working really hard on and reuse. Um, but it, it's a broader, I think, misconception that being able to repair in general cuts down on e-waste. I think you have, if you're going to look at circular, and we were really careful to dedicate ourselves to the idea of the circular economy. Repair is one piece of that. Recycling is a piece of it. But actually, you have to change the value chain, not just to get those batteries back, but to process that material and put it back into the supply chain again. Um, and so I, I, you know, I think people are doing it for good reasons, and I think they think it is um, a, a customer-friendly solution. We believe the more customer-friendly solution is to build a very durable product and also make repairs affordable when you need them. So let's talk about that closed loop, that, the, the closed loop goal that you announced, I guess it was earlier this year. Yeah, in uh, April. Uh, Birthday. That um, said, well, you tell us what that goal is. Yeah, so the goal is huge. You know, the idea is that we would like to uh, make new product out of either recycled material or renewable material. Um, 100%. You know, 100%. 100%. We have a ways to go. 
Um, but we you, thought you, you didn't set a target timetable um, from goal yet. No, we haven't yet. Um, it's something we're considering. Um, it, it was something really new for Apple to set that aspirational goal and not have in place a roadmap to know how we're going to get there. And it's been really fun within Apple to watch the engineers challenge themselves with such a big, big goal and to watch the executive team say, oh, no, no, we didn't mean like never. We mean like what's our plan to get there? Let's talk about all the different materials that are part of our uh, supply chain. I was actually with a group of suppliers yesterday answering their questions on um, non-ferrous materials about what we'd like to see in terms of reuse of materials. Um, we, we announced the goal on purpose, aspirationally, because part of what we're trying to do, obviously one of our concerns, not the only one, is mining and the impact that has on sustainability, on people's lives and on the planet. Uh, we'd love our suppliers to come along with us so that this isn't a question of you or you, but rather you evolve to be a much better supplier for us. But that's going to take time. Well, I mean, I think that's one of the interesting parts of this. We had a panel here yesterday with, um, with uh, Walmart and um, uh, the, the Air Force and uh, a little outfit called Amazon and talking about what it takes for big companies like that to get things to scale and how it's not always a matter of, of they say how high and, the, and the, uh, they, they say jump and the suppliers say how high. Uh, that it's, it's a lot more complicated. What are you seeing in terms of the new kinds of partnerships or technologies or enablers? In fact, which, what are the, in sort of technology um, and, and, and relationships and partnerships, where are the biggest barriers and the biggest opportunities? So some of the barriers are technology driven. I mean, to really enable the circular economy for consumer electronics, you have to remake some of the way we, we process material. It wasn't designed to reuse tons of material. Um, and so not only do you have to remake it, but you have to make it cost effective. I mean, I, th I think the problem with just saying jump and how high is, yeah, anybody can do anything, but um, it costs money. Mm -hmm. And we have to be willing to pay that extra money. And Apple has a long history of driving a supply chain to not only um, produce, but to produce really efficiently and effectively. We certainly believe we can make a market. Um, and so I think one barrier is technology, another barrier is it has to be cost, I mean, uh, one, one opportunity, if you will, challenge is to make it cost effective. And that's not going to be the truth on day one. You know, when Apple moved to take PVC out of our power cords, they weren't cost effective on day one. First, we had to figure out how to do it. Then we had to find suppliers who would do it with us. And then because they knew we would be the market, they came along. Um, the last piece of that, though, is you know, a little bit my old job. It would also be nice if then governments say, let's move to this standard, this PVC halogen-free cord, instead of allowing you know, competitors to come in with cheaper alternatives. So. Um, Does that need to be done at the government level, or could it be done at the EPEAT or UL or other, other kinds of certification bodies, and then the, let the market uh, drive that, that, you know, where that just becomes the expectation, as we, we saw with, 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 I think, a, a number of other kinds of, you, you've driven a lot of that uh, over the years. Is that a possibility, or do we need government for there? Um, I think that the private sector can take it so far. I think that there is a role for government, especially around standard setting. I think that 
um, and this is you know, funny coming from a former regulator, but it's actually better when government allows the innovations to happen and not pick winners up front. Uh, so the places where, um, and I tried to do this at, at EPA as well, the places where you make the best policy is where you, you know, encourage and almost create a market for an innovation, yeah. like a scrubber on a power plant that wouldn't exist, the technology exists, but nobody's going to put it on if you don't ask them to do it. Yeah. Um, very few companies will. A few leadership companies will, but then you have all these other people sort of sliding underneath the yeah. line. Well, this sort of brings us to the Supplier Clean Energy Program. You talked about it a little bit yeah. before. Uh, how hard, or not hard, is that in terms of bringing along the, you know, so many companies in, in this room and that were watching the live stream have, have done the 100% or, or committed to 100% in their own facilities, in their own operations, but not in their supply chains yet. And you are, are, are on your way. Where are you in that journey, first of all? And yeah, yeah. So we're, um, well, we have some news. You know, we, uh, we had several suppliers um, announce that they would go 100% clean energy, and we're announcing six more Today, here with yeah, right. you, Joel, news. Can you name um, them? I can, but yeah. that's why I have my phone. Is that, what kind of phone is that? <laughs> no, this is a 7. Yeah. Not the iPhone 14 class, or something. No. No. If it was, I wouldn't tell you. <laughs> uh, so our six new ones are Corvo, Wistron, their final assembly, go Wistron. Mega Precision, uh, Golden Arrow, and Uto, they are packaging, and Sunway Communications make uh, part of the antenna assembly. So we're up to 14 now companies um, who have committed to go 100% renewable powered for uh, Apple operations. And just and to put that in perspective, 14 out of... Hundreds, hundreds but yeah. these are not small. We didn't start with the smallest. Um, and we have hundreds of companies. Uh, we, we started a portal with information, you know, sort of the roadmap for uh, suppliers who want to do this. And we have hundreds who are actively engaged in saying, okay, I want to join the list. I mean, you know, we just talked about this not quite two years ago. Um, you asked how we're doing. So um, when we announced it, uh, we know that our carbon footprint is 29.5 million metric tons a year. 75% of that was in our supply chain. That's why we did it. Uh, as a result of work already on the books and some work we've done, we're down 6% in carbon emissions for our, you know, our new phones, which is, um, which is a big deal because, yeah. you know, we happen to sell a lot of phones, you, and, iPhones. And, and, um, can you talk a little bit about the carrots and sticks that you're involved with the suppliers? Yeah, What's yeah. incentivizing them to do that? Why would they do, do this? You know, the incentive is people want to be part of this. Um, clean energy is cheap cheaper in many cases. And clean energy is better. You know, it's there, it's reliable. And uh, in some parts of the world, we actually uh, have countries uh, that mandate that you do something about it. Um, China is a great example. China has said we want to see our skies blue. That means less pollution. That means um, addressing the threat of climate change and continuing to stay uh, in the Paris Accords, and therefore companies are signing up. Now, one of the things they're saying is, you know, having Apple behind us, um, you know, telling our managers that we're standing with you, some cases co-investing even, is, is really helpful to so, them. So Apple's co-investing with... In some cases. Actually, you don't need it in every case. Yeah. In some of the larger suppliers are perfectly able to do it. And it's a combination. Sometimes it's a PPA or something similar. Sometimes it's an actual investment in a development. 
Um, and sometimes it's on-site uh, generation as well. Um, so, you know, we're pretty, we're pretty excited about where it's gone. We're at 2.8 megawatt, uh, gigawatts, 2.8 gigawatts of the four gigawatts that we committed to um, by 2020. Um, and uh, I'm pretty excited about, you know, those hundreds of other folks sort of coming along as well. Yeah. Um, so I really think we're on a roll. I have one other clean energy related announcement. This is about Apple itself. We committed to be 100% renewable as well. Uh, we don't do that generally through offsets. Every once in a while, there might be a need to, to do a little true up, but we do Outside it. the US probably. Um, yeah, 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 absolutely. But we haven't given up on some tough markets. Japan's a great example. We are 100% renewable in 24 countries, and today I can tell you 25, and number 25 is Japan, uh, where um, we uh, are working with a local solar developer. Uh, I can try to say their name, Daini Dinryoku. Daini Dinryoku, that's how it goes. Um, and they are doing 300 rooftop installations, and we use that um, as our clean energy. And if you know how we do clean energy, it's sort of ATM. We put as much into the account as we know we're drawing out. Because in a place like Japan, we can't change the grid or um, purchase clean energy yeah. um, uh, through a choice program. So we have, to, we have to do a little bit clean energy in, clean energy out. But to get to 100% in Japan, Japan used to be one of the companies on our list that this isn't going to happen. Um, and it's been really fun. Um, we had one supplier, Ibiden, uh, in Japan. They, they installed floating solar voltaics. We announced that, I think, this past April as well. Wait, floating solar voltaics? Photovoltaics. Get it? Photovoltaics. Um, <laughs> yeah. See, that is such a bird's joke. Y'all yeah. laughed at that. It is a, can, it's a, a bird's it's a, joke. Uh, um, yeah, so I mean, you know, we're getting there. We're definitely getting there. And I do think that there is incredible momentum. And I think there's a lot of times when it feels like that momentum is stopping, but the private sector has to continue to invest in the future, not yeah. the past. So speaking of the future and the past, I want to, before we get to some questions from the sidebar, but for that, I want to talk about the EPA. <clears throat> um, you used to Don't run it. Don't hiss the EPA, hiss the leadership of the EPA. You, you, you used to run it uh, back in the, the first Obama administration before you left there to come to Apple. Um, what do you think, uh, the, we have the business community here, the progressive business community, uh, and, and that's a growing community all the time these days, uh, who are say that we're still in and we still, or we're not averting our gaze. What, what do you think this community should be doing right now in terms of addressing, engaging, confronting uh, the current leadership? You know, I think that, um, and I think it's already happening. As far as I know, there have been organizations of clean uh, and sustainable businesses who've done their best to request time and uh, attention uh, from the new administration at EPA. Uh, I don't know that it's been incredibly successful. Uh, one of the things you do as EPA administrators hear from a lot of people across the spectrum. I had meetings with everyone in industry from um, some of the biggest companies, um, no one wants to call themselves a polluter, but who could potentially be big polluters all the way to companies who were yeah. clean tech, right? And you, you hear 
on purpose because that's what government is about, representation in our democracy from the, the whole spectrum. Um, so I think you have to just keep trying. But, but I also think you have to, uh, EPA is an incredible reservoir repository of data and information, um, including on climate change, yeah. if it's allowed to speak, uh, if the staff are allowed to speak those words. And I think you have to give EPA ammunition. One of the things I said when I left EPA is, if I go to the private sector, and there was really only one company I'd consider going to, and I'm, you know, dreams come true sometimes, I'm there. But we, part of our job is to give uh, EPA the credence to the words we all, I certainly said when I led EPA, you do not have to choose between a clean environment and a growing and thriving economy. And in fact, you can't have one without the other. But the, the answer you gave is kind of the answer you would give during normal times around, you know, that there's advocacy groups, there's lots of them on sustainability. Um, and, and I don't, uh, it seems like there needs to be something more, uh, something perhaps a little more aggressive, a little, maybe a little angrier, a little bit more insistent. Uh, I mean, don't you wish, uh, and, and I think, you know, your CEO uh, has, has been, uh, I think, you know, uh, stepped up in some, in some admirable ways in talking about uh, uh, some of the issues, not just environmental uh, as, in, as well. What would you like to see would you like to see companies getting angrier? Would you like to see them getting more vocal? What, what, what could happen here from your old vantage point? I, I, I'm a big believer in show me. I know we live in the, the time of tell me, um, but I think, I, I think a couple of things. States and local governments are still where people live and where that message is resonating. And so it's not a new philosophy, but Governors and mayors are an audience that can move the you know, morass of Washington right now. Yeah. Um, Congress, we should not give up on. Um, and you know, Apple will soon be uh, doing more to lift up the voice of even companies like ours. One of the complaints I hear uh, occasionally, because I also run government affairs for Apple, worldwide, um, and one of the things I hear occasionally is, you guys come and talk to us about a lot of things, but where's your voice on clean energy? Because we're certainly hearing from other voices right. on energy. Um, and that's a fair criticism. I mean, Apple can speak with a different voice than a smaller me medium business, but small and medium businesses need to speak up as well. And it needs to be business-based. There is no reason to walk in and make the human health argument you know, it is really sad that the human health argument is absolutely absent right now yeah. from EPA. Yeah. It's actually, um, it's beyond a tragedy. It's criminal, I think, it's, I would say. It's the voice of human health and the environment in the, in the administration. Yeah. Um, and that's what it's charged to be by law. So I think, you know, if you, if you look past that and you say, let's talk about the business opportunity, that's what we're doing. And so I think we all need to step up to work with um, the governors in the states where we operate, the local chambers of commerce, you know, to pull, point out um, Apple's members of lots of groups, one of them is Advanced uh, Energy Economy, to point out where the jobs are. Because it's really easy to talk in big terms about getting rid of clean energy. Um, and helping, you know, big coal mine owners, because that's really who would get help. But it's really hard when you realize that, oh, we don't mine for coal here. 
know, so that's important. Elaine, let's get a question in quick. Yeah, so we conducted, just as an aside, we conducted an online poll. Just, um, it's just very now. unscientific, just now. And our question is, would you pay more for a phone that is repairable and upgradable for the next 10 years? 75% said yes, definitely. And so there's clearly a market that wants to drive this. We're really excited that you're going to work with your suppliers to try to make this happen. It's an awesome goal, so I want to applaud you for that. And our audience is super stoked. Um, so that's an aside. But there's a, a separate question, which, Joel, I'm glad you brought up the EPA. This is a little bit more fun and a little <laughs> aspirational, but we just want to understand what you think. Um, you know, Van Jones previously mentioned that the Trump administration is proposing a 30% cut to the EPA budget. So you know that the, a lot of these uh, government departments are under pressure to do more with less or something. Um, and so the audience wants to know if Scott Pruitt called you and said he'd grant you one wish, what would you ask for? <laughs> Let's talk about repairable and upgradable. <laughs> um, uh, I, w I would wish that the professionals, the scientists, uh, the people inside EPA who at sometimes cost to their own career and personal economics have chosen to serve the country. It, you know, EPA employees are public servants. That doesn't mean out of 15 or 17,000 people when I was there, you don't have a few knuckleheads. But you have a few knuckleheads. I have knuckleheads in my own family. So, you know, knuckleheads exist in the world. But uh, by and large, the caliber of the people at EPA, the scientists there, the rigor of the analysis that they do um, deserves to be listened to um, and deserves to be put forward and not shut out and not uh, politicized. Um, and so uh, I'm, a, I'm a believer that if you listened to it, and understood it and heard it um, and put it forward and unshackled people and, 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 and allow them to speak, you would hear, uh, in general, um, really important information. On repairability, I totally agree. And the thing about the iPhone that is so cool is how many people have upgraded to iOS 11 as of yesterday? Me. I mean, it's like a new phone. You know, the whole point of what we do is that you can upgrade to new software and every once in a while there's some things like Face ID in the new phone that you can only get if you buy the new phone. But if I don't want Face ID or I don't need it right away, I don't, need, I don't have to have it. I have all the other features though, the better algorithms for the camera, the much um, faster software. So I totally agree that we need to think about um, these, um, these devices as something that we can have a long time. And studies show that that's exactly what the iPhone is. You can pass it along for a long time to friends, families. You can resell it, if you like, because it's designed to be durable. Yeah. Well, we are out of time, and I just want to end by thanking you for your leadership, but in particular for your voice, for... for speaking up, speaking out, um, it, both you and as a company, and really showing what's possible uh, when technology meets sustainability and, and showing how it does improve people's lives, um, but how you can do it in a way that, that honors the planet, honors the people who make them, 
and really does bring value. So thank you for that. Thank you for coming back and sharing your story. Please thank me. Join me in thanking Lisa Jackson. You've been listening to Lisa Jackson, Vice President of Environment Policy and Social Initiatives at Apple, in conversation at the Verge 17 conference. For more Center Stage podcasts, go to greenbiz.com slash center stage. And while you're there, tune into GreenBiz 350, our weekly podcast covering the news and the people behind the news in sustainable business and clean technology. For all of us here at GreenBiz Group, I'm Joel McCower. Thanks for listening.